Hey, what's up everyone? David Staub here. I am absolutely ecstatic to talk to you all this evening. I am here with my absolutely lovely wife, Megan. Hey, y'all. She's not going to be talking as much on this uh, podcast tonight, um, but I'm going to be getting her uh, opinion on a few things as she was a large part of watching everything we're going to be talking about tonight. I am discussing alcohol addiction. Uh, As you know, uh, the Magical Stories of Healing podcast, we're going to be interviewing people from all over the world that had stories of natural healing, divine healing, organic natural ways of healing. And we went over Megan's and now it is my turn as the thing that I, the my vice uh, for the far majority of my life was unfortunately alcohol addiction. Uh, it, it plagued me for years and years. And, and to be clear, it wasn't the kind that I, because there's a d- couple different kinds of alcohol addiction out there. It wasn't the kind that I needed it every day, but it was the kind where I could not just have one drink. I would have to have 10, 15, and so on and so forth. So I'm excited to talk to you all about this for a few reasons, man. I strongly in my heart, I feel addiction is one of the biggest issues out there in America right now. Um, Not that many people talk about it because there's this horrible stigma around it. And uh, it's so unfortunate because the statistics alone say one out of every seven people in America deal with addiction, some kind of substance abuse. But I honestly think it's more than that because people don't speak about addiction. They're, you know, because we're so conditioned for being worried about what people think, people are afraid to bring it up, especially uh, men. There's a pretty big population of men out there that think they're too like macho and tough to be talking about their addiction issues, which couldn't be further from the truth. Um, but addiction, it, you know, it doesn't discriminate uh, men, women, ethnicity, anything. It's out there, and with the way our brains are created, um, you know, if we can, fo- if we focus on any one thing, just about anything, you can be addicted to. Whether you're talking about alcohol, um, you drugs, sex, technology, uh, really anything, it can become an addiction. So, I'm excited to talk to you all about it because I feel it's so incredibly important, um, and. I think that addiction is gone about completely wrong in our society. Um, and again, I, I want to preface this with, you know, I don't have all the answers by any means. I can only tell you uh, about my experience and what worked for me. But I ended up through a few different ways and a huge uh, uh, testimony to uh, Megan for how instrumental she was in this process uh, for multiple ways. And I'll, I'll get to that uh, a little bit later in the conversation, but kind of came up with a pretty unique way of how I overcame my alcohol addiction. And it was, couldn't be further from anything that uh, society tried to help me with. And again, not, I'm not, I want to be clear throughout this episode, I'm not knocking it if it works for someone else, because there are some people it works for, which is great. I just ask everyone to reflect and be very self-aware and honest with yourself if it is working for you, um, or if it's not. So, Anyway, let's get to it. Alcohol is always by vice. I mean, it always has been. Like I said, I couldn't just have one drink. Uh, it had to be like 10 to 15. Um, and I, I tried all of society's ways to overcome it and nothing worked. Uh, I'm going to discuss the unique way that I did. Was I was able to overcome my addiction. Um, but first off, I'd like to uh, kind of get Megan. Megan is in a unique position because she, well, we were friends for a few years. Uh, then we started dating uh, then obviously got married and she saw me through from the beginning, uh, whenever I was deep into my addiction, uh, through the middle, the transition, the, the attempting to stop all the way to the end when I overcame it, have been sober for years now. So, 
Um, Megan, what was your first, what was like, what were the, what would you say was the first time you kind of noticed that there was something wrong or what were some of the signs that gave you that idea? Um, well, you know, for the longest time we, you know, we worked for different companies, but we were always at these medical software trade shows, you know, and we all had this big group of friends. And so we'd always see each other. And I mean, everyone, you know, they drank a lot and partied, it seemed like. So you just kind of blended in with everyone for a while. And then it was whenever I um, actually got recruited to go work for your company. And then we were, you know, working closely together, obviously. And so I remember being at trade shows and during the break time, you'd want to go straight to the bar, you know, in the middle of the day and just drink. And like, even if it was just like wine, but like you would down wine. I'm talking, I was just like, what? You were downing it. And like, I mean, just putting on back. And I was just like, whoa. I was like, there's no way I can do this and go back and talk to doctors, you know? Yeah, for sure. And that's something, you know, I've never really understood, but there's something in my brain. And one important part, if you're talking with an addict or someone that has addiction issues or you yourself do, it's so important to be so hyper self-aware of this stuff. And I could never understand why, but I've really have come to the conclusion. I came to the conclusion a long time ago, something in my brain literally switches um, whenever I have a drink of alcohol for one reason or another. And yeah, I couldn't just do one. I had to do 10 or 15 and my personality changed. It was, it was pretty intense. So uh, I knew going, once it kicked off, I would say my addiction issues really started whenever I was uh, in New York City. Um, in New York, there's this culture of partying up there and I got heavy into it. We'd party four five, six nights a week. And the thing is it was hidden. A lot of my addiction from the outside, you couldn't always tell because I was, I was very successful in New York. I worked, like I said, a medical software sales company. I was making six figures, but what most people didn't know, I was actually spending the six figures on partying and bad decisions. Um, and it, it was just so unfortunate and it's a, uh, it's a slippery slope. Um, so and the problem is whenever I started drinking and I kept going down that route, I, for some reason or another, I would turn into a different person. And it was it was scary. I would never, you know, I would make bad decisions. I became heavily jealous. Um, and I literally only cared about me. Something changed in my mind. And I wasn't like that whenever I was sober. I was, uh, you know, and not trying to just brag on myself, but I was I was kind and uh, just a genuine person that cared about other people and, you know, just, just normal. And it just something changed in my brain when I started drinking. And I didn't, people started to know it was a little bit of an issue early on. They would say things here and there, but I, I hit it pretty well. Um, but I started to realize, oh, one thing I do want to note actually, after doing some introspection down the road on the jealousy for some reason, I got heavily, heavily jealous when I drank. And I'm so, you know, I want to say I'm ashamed of it uh, because it's all part of growth and, and it's just kind of who I was uh, whenever I drank. But looking back, I think one of the reasons why that was in my subconscious mind, um, you know, whenever I was a child, I was, you know, seven, eight, nine years old, my parents went through a really bad divorce. And I'm going to preface this with, you know, my mom's just an incredible woman, love her to death. We have an incredible relationship uh, now, and uh, she's matured so much over the years. I can't say enough great things about her, Uh, but she was 18, 17 whenever they had me and when her and my father were married. 
and during that marriage, she wasn't faith. She wasn't faithful during that marriage, but they were so young. Who would be at 17 and 18? No one is ready for any kind of relationship. So I, I, I don't blame her for that. Nothing. But me being, uh, you know, I was six, seven years old when that was going on and I saw all that and I knew about it. So at that young of an age, when my brain was still processing and like growing and figuring things out, I saw, you know, um, God, what's the word I'm looking for? I saw uh, infidelity. And when that happened, that went deep into my subconscious mind. So I always wondered um, in my teenage years into my 20s why I had like these jealousy issues and they were just heightened to a such a high degree uh, whenever I drank. And that's, I, that's why, you know, I had to go through and really process that and come to that conclusion. Um, but that's just something interesting to note, you know, anyone that has th- these issues that come up when you're drinking, really, I think, you know, one of the commonalities of trauma is going back to that childhood and figuring out what happened and what could be causing it. And once you become aware of that, you can go in and start to heal it. Um, but anyway, going back to the drinking, it was getting really heavy in New York City and it was, I would party and I just party way too hard, really spend all my money, kind of become that different bad person that I didn't want to be. I was that guy that was blacking out, not remembering what happened the night before. And it just caused so many issues in every one of my relationships. Um, because the drinking was always the most important thing to me. Um, and deeper than that, I was always the most important thing to me, which I'll get back to in a second. Um, so anything that is real, that when you're going down that road, there has to get to some kind of breaking point, which when I'm reflecting upon when that was, it got to the epitome of bad in the relationship that I was in right before Megan. I was dating somebody that, uh, you know, because of how I got when I started drinking, she told me she didn't want me to drink. Literally, it was like, you can't drink uh, if you're going to be with me. So, you know, initially I was like, oh yeah, sure, I I won't drink. But obviously that that didn't last very long. It basically, it, it forced me to resort to hiding drinking. I would, you know, travel. I traveled all across the United States doing medical software sales and I'd go out on the weekends and I would just tell her I went to sleep and party and go drink, you know? And again, I'm not proud of any of that, but you know, this is when I still had all those demons and I wasn't, uh, I I wasn't healed and I was still, I I still had a lot of growth and a lot evolving to do. Um, but it got bad because I would go do that consistently and that wears on your soul, that wears on your heart. Um, and I would, I was literally starting to use drinking as an escape because she got more and more and more controlling. And as she got more controlling, I got, super unhappy. And a lot of addiction stems from using some kind of substance as an escape. And that's literally what I started doing to a high degree. I was using it as an escape. I I would look forward to every weekend just to get away and drink as much as I could uh, to ignore and, and get away from the reality I was living in. I was trying to numb myself constantly. Um, and that's when I knew it got really, really bad. Um, I knew I had to change. I knew I had to do something to stop drinking. Um, you know, I, I was still with this girl and then we came to the conclusion that I, I need to do what I have to do to stop drinking. So of course, what are the first couple things you do? You know, you go, what are society's ways? You know, the first thing I did is I tried an outpatient program. Um, and again, I want to preface this with, I don't want to sound like I'm just kind of trashing society's ways because I know they work for some people. And I think some of the people there are, have good intentions, but that could not have been worse for me. I did an entire 13 week outpatient program and 
throughout the whole program, they it was like they were telling you you weren't stronger than this substance. I was told I have to uh, I have to separate myself from alcohol constantly. I have to change every one of my friends. I have to I can't go down the same alleyway as something that has a liquor store. Uh, basically, change your entire life. And I was listening to all this, and I I didn't really get into my I guess, um, spiritual awakening and this, I haven't, I didn't really get into the, I wasn't at the part of my life really where I knew really what, even what an ego was, but I just knew something within me didn't like that. I didn't like that. I was being told that, um, I wasn't strong enough to beat this, this alcohol, uh, this alcohol issue. So it just didn't work for me. I would leave just depressed and being like, wow, I, but I tried it. I did try it. I went through the whole program. They even had me try like these pharmaceuticals that would have me it basically, I, they would tell me to take it in the morning. So if I drank later on that day, it would make me throw up, which sounds crazy because if I really wanted to drink, then I just wouldn't take it the morning. I wouldn't take the pill. So I never really quite understood that. Um, but just all of these things that just did not work for me. I even tried AA. I, I tried AA. I went there and again, <laughs> I don't want to come off like I'm trashing it. I know it works for some people, which is fantastic, but it just didn't work for me. I went there and it was incredibly depressing. It was everyone literally talking about and focusing on alcohol, <laughs> literally talking about their, so their entire focus was alcohol. Their whole lives revolved around alcohol. This is before I understood the law of attraction. This is before I understood um, how all that works, how, how the conscious and subconscious mind works. So I tried AA, went to that a bunch, and I literally just kept resorting back to drinking. Um, I even tried things like every day I would be sober, I'd change the background on my screen to one and two and three just to try and keep it working and just nothing was working. I later realized it was because I was just focusing on drinking. Like my whole life and days revolved around focusing on drinking, um, which brings me to what actually did start to work for me. And, uh, you know, again, I'm not saying this works for everyone, uh, because this next topic is very controversial. Um, but psychedelics were heavily beneficial for me. I had never done psychedelics before and they were introduced to me from a friend and there was all this really good research on it. And, uh, there's a company called maps, uh, multiple dysentery association association for psychedelic studies, which is doing all this really promising work with psychedelics in a uh, controlled environment. So I started experimenting with psychedelics. I started experimenting with LSD and mushrooms, and I had just these incredible, beautiful epiphanies uh, while experimenting with uh, LSD specifically. Um, again, not condoning it, but just telling you my experience and what worked for me. You know, the first big epiphany that I had, and all this is just within myself. Um, the first big epiphany that I had was that I was truly, deeply unhappy, which sounds obvious. I mean, anyone on the outside would be like, uh, yeah, no shit, you're unhappy. You're in a relationship that you're never happy with and you're binge drinking every chance you get when you're not there. But you'd be surprised. Uh, you know, some people going through the most stuff, even you, it, it basically, the, the LSD helped me take a step back, look at my life separated from my life, if that makes sense, and see that, man, I'm so unhappy. And one of the things that was making me so unhappy was being in that relationship. And it wasn't, I don't, I'm not trying to put the blame on anything external. I'm not trying to put the blame on that um, other person, that girl by any means. We just weren't 
meant to be together. We were very, very different. I let the relationship go on for way longer than it should have. And it was just such a horribly toxic, toxic relationship that it needed to end. Um, but it was so hard. To, I mean, I don't know any of you might relate to this, but if you're ever in a relationship and you just let it go for way too long, the longer you let it go for, the more emotional investment you have. And, you know, utilizing psychedelics going within my mind and looking at what I need to do to be happy. I needed to, I needed to learn how to love myself and I needed to really learn more about myself. I wasn't ready for that kind of relationship uh, yet and I wasn't and she wasn't the right person for me uh, to be transparent. So the first thing I did was I, after just a few of these trips, I became so clear what my next step was. I had to end the relationship. So I ended it. Uh, cut everything off and I, I went out on my own. I was on my own and I needed some time to really find and discover myself. Um, and, you know, I continued to experiment with psychedelics uh, for a while and each time I got a little more clarity uh, and a little more clarity. And I remember this one specific time, and this is going to be hard to explain. I don't, you know, I want to make this whole uh, podcast about psychedelics, but I remember one time being sitting down and going within my mind. And really looking at my addiction and, and fighting with it. I mean, like, why are you the way that you are? Why, why are you doing this? This is, you know, and, and I fought with it literally in my mind. Um, and I came out of that and I just felt a little better about my addiction. So uh, that that was a huge part of it was the, the first key piece was the psychedelics. Then I met Megan. Uh, well, I, I was friends with Megan throughout this process when she was seeing my craziness and, um, and all of that. Um, but once we started at, down the road, uh, I was still trying to battle with this on and off, stop drinking. I had more progress with the psychedelics than anything else. That um, Megan and I started dating, and you know, Megan and I started dating. And it's try not to go off on too much of a tangent here. I can't express how divine it was when we started dating. I feel very, very much like she was sent to me by God. I know that sounds extreme, but it's it's how I feel. It's it's unlike any relationship I've ever had in my life, and you just kind of know. Uh, so that happened, and something shifted within myself, uh, which is important. At that point, for the first time ever, something became more important to me than myself. You know, looking back, all throughout all my life, the most important person and thing in my life was me. I was the most important thing to me. So when it came down to the decisions I made, I wanted to do whatever made me feel good. Um, for the first time, Megan was more important to me than myself. Um, so that was a big shift. We still had trials and tribulations with me and drinking, um, but we started to do work that really helped me reprogram my subconscious mind. Uh, she introduced me to meditation. She introduced me to affirmations, which I didn't know what the heck those were. I, I didn't know what the law of attraction was at all. I watched The Secret. She introduced me all these tools that made me kind of open my eyes to how my mind works and then how to actually apply them to reprogramming my subconscious mind, which is where a lot of the decisions I was making were sitting. Um, and I got to back up for a quick second. So one of the things that did happen, and man, addiction can just tear tear families apart for multiple reasons. Um, you know, I've always been very close with my family, uh, particularly my father. And um, I start, when I started experimenting with psychedelics, 
you know, I posted, there was some kind of Facebook thing where I, when I was going to a Burning Man event or something and my dad find out, found out and, you know, he sat me down. He asked to have lunch. He sent me down and talked to me and he was like, hey, um, are you experimenting with psychedelics? He straight up asked me. And at this point, you know, one thing that happens uh, sometimes, and it, you know, it happened to me when you start experimenting with psychedelics, and you're, and, and you're, you're, they're, you're, you're doing it as a tool and using it with good intention. Um, in a, in a way, you try and want, I, I became where I wanted to try and be my best self, and that also means being totally transparent and honest. You know, the one part of me when my father asked me that was thinking, just lie to him. He's going to go crazy about it. He's super conservative, super uh, conditioned, and doesn't. Uh, he thinks all drugs are the same. Don't do it. Uh, but the other part of me was like, no, I want to have a change in my life, a big part of my life. I want to be totally ethical. I want to do things the right way from now on. So I told him, yes, I am experimenting with psychedelics, but it's been such a beautiful experience. It's helped me in this way. It's helped me in that way. And unfortunately, he, he just saw red. He literally just saw red. And, uh, you know, my dad and I have always had such an incredible relationship. He's been my mentor for, you know, all my life. And it was very difficult because... At that point, you know, in his words, uh, you know, I, heroin is just as bad as LSD or mushrooms. And for anyone that has uh, familiarity or, or studied or uh, knows stuff about psychedelics, you know, that's it couldn't be more incorrect. But um, and I'm not trying to trash him by any means. You know, he, he truly was just trying to do the best he could with the knowledge that he had and the experience that he had. But he's very convinced that I was just becoming addicted to psychedelics uh so cut me off from the family told all my family that i was uh deep into drugs and uh, half my family cut me off because they thought i was just going down this horrible crazy path when the unfortunate thing was i was never in a at that point i'd never been in a better more healthy state of mind and again i'm not dragging on him for it he was just doing what he thought was was right for him and his family because he thought i was just doing more damage to myself and going down a bad path so just an example of how addiction can just there's so many ways it can begin to tear a family apart um but you know that happened with the psychedelics and then coming back to megan uh we started doing all of this mind work we started doing med she got me into meditation she got me into gratitude writing affirmation she has this uh i we spoke about earlier meditate and affirmate which is basically this morning routine that involves doing a meditation and uh, going and writing what you're grateful for and then writing your affirmations and what you want to create in your life, setting an intention. And through Megan and through, you know, psychedelics were a piece of it. I also ended up growing a very powerful relationship with my creator, God. That was a huge part of it as well. Um, I never, it's not that I didn't believe in God. I uh, self-admittedly thought I was too logical for most of my life because I was like, I have to know. How do I ever know? <laughs> Which is pretty ridiculous uh, for me anyway now. Um, but, you know, that, you know, experimenting with psychedelics, understanding that there's so much more going on around us, starting the meditations, you know, starting to reprogram my subconscious mind and then really heavily focusing, focusing on what I wanted to create in my life rather than what I wanted to let go of really started to make a shift. Um, you know, I realized I was doing things completely wrong. Um, and I, I was, 
you know, a lot of people uh, count the days that they're sober. The problem for me was because I was counting the days I was sober and I was thinking about not drinking every day, it was causing me to focus on drinking, which attracted more of it into my life. So there were so many reasons that I, that I felt I was going wrong for myself and through you know, psychedelic experimentation, Megan, and actually having someone that was more important to me than myself. And then that relationship with God, the shift finally happened. It finally happened. And I just stopped drinking. I I can't even tell you the exact day I stopped drinking on because of how it worked in my mind to where I didn't even focus on the fact that I wasn't drinking. I focused on the fact that I wanted to create an incredible life with Megan, that I wanted us to have a wonderful marriage, that I wanted to start a company with her, that I wanted to do all of these things that were good. And then I started, I wanted to be a great disciple of Christ. I wanted to be a child of God and be an example of a child of God. And it just didn't, it didn't add up to do what, want to do all that and then still make the decisions I was making with alcohol. So what to, to sum it up, what really worked for me and my formula, I guess you can call it is first, the person that has the addiction needs to have something that is more important to them than themselves. Something whatever that could be, whether that's a relationship, whether that's, um, you know, a, a higher power, um, whatever it is, there has to be something that's more important to them than them than just their own immediate gratification. Two, what worked for me is a program that will help reprogram your subconscious mind. Our subconscious mind runs 95% of our day, 95% of our day. Um, and most people don't realize what you put into your conscious mind, the things you think, the people you listen to, um, the, the sounds like music, uh, all of that, re- that goes into your conscious mind and it reprograms your subconscious mind. So it's incredibly, what I work for me is this work that in the mornings and evenings, constantly reprogramming my subconscious mind for positivity, for empowerment, for healthy habits, healthy organs, all of that. So first, something that's more important to them than their immediate gratification than yourself. Two, a program that'll reprogram your subconscious mind, begin to reprogram your subconscious mind. You know, I highly recommend meditation and affirmations, gratitude writing, um, just constantly putting good empowering stuff in your subconscious mind. And man, utilize that law of attraction to the fullest degree. I mean, it, it seems, it's, it, it has been a game changer for me in my life once I truly understood the law of attraction and how it's literally working, whether you, you use it to your advantage or not. I mean, uh, you know, if you fo- whatever you're focusing on, you're going to experience more in your life. And it's really interesting. Uh, there was a there was a big post that Mark Metry made not to not to go off too much, but about the part of your brain, the reticular, I think it's called the reticular yeah, the reticular activating part of your brain, the front, it literally looks for and confirms whatever your beliefs are. So you're, you are literally attracting whatever you believe you're going to see. So that's part of it too. But uh, utilizing the law of attraction to your fullest degree. Those are the three things that really work for me. So again, just to recap, um, that that's how I healed. That's how I healed my addiction. I've been sober for years now. I, I honestly couldn't tell you which day I stopped drinking on because I never focused on it. It was in, it sounds crazy, but I have no urge whatsoever, um, at all. You know, it, 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 there was a process, uh, when I first stopped where there were urges here and there, but then I just refocused on what I wanted to create in my life. You know, I went back to my affirmations. I decided to focus on something else. And over time, your mind literally reprograms. So find something that's more important than yourself. 
um, that is that, that's or whether it's your purpose, higher power, whatever. Um, reprogram your subconscious mind. It's not it's not immediate, but you can do it, and then utilize that law of attraction. That that's what worked for me. Again, I'm not saying that uh, that other ways don't do it, the other ways don't work, but that's how I was able to heal my mind and rid myself of this alcohol addiction that literally plagued my life for. Um, I don't know, 27, 28 of my uh, 32 years on this earth. And uh, there's no doubt in my mind that I'm just not going to drink again. Um, You know, I spent years trying to uh, convince myself that I could just have one or two drinks. But once I came to that conclusion and really shifted my priorities and went deep into my mind, um, it became a no brainer, no pun intended. (laughs) Um, But anyway, thank you guys for all listening to me. Um, Always, if anyone has any any comments, questions, feel free to shoot me a message directly. Uh, I feel a lot of my purpose of, of healing has to do with addiction, and I, I feel very much feel for it as I've experienced it, and I've experienced the carnage that it can cause on a family um, uh, firsthand. So I'm very sympathetic towards it, and just know, uh, don't fear judgment. Don't fear judgment of it. You know, we all have issues. No one's perfect. Um, the first step to changing something is becoming powerfully self-aware about it, knowing you need to make a change and then look for those signs and make that change. I need to give one quick shout out to James Hadlock too. He's the CEO of Blue Novus. He's doing some incredible, beautiful work, beautiful work in the addiction space. Uh, because you know, as, as, as he knows too, it's addictions gone around, gone about and stigmatized so much in the workplace nowadays, he's changing the game. So anyone that wants to see any kind of a good work being done in the addiction world, check out James Hadlock. Uh, but thank you all for listening. Uh, Megan, did you have any parting words or anything, any advice for anyone that might be dealing with addiction or anyone that knows any family or friends dealing with addiction? Uh, no, I mean, for me, you already, already hit on everything, you know, the mindset stuff for me, that's so huge because it goes back to how I changed, you know, my life. But, um, it's amazing that it, it can be done because, you know, you are such a different person, you know, and you did get jealous over things for no reason, you know, when you would drink and you would be a different person and, yeah. and you're such an amazing person and you did do it on your own. You didn't, you didn't need that, you know, those programs, you know, and you didn't focus, you know, what you focus on, you attract. And it's crazy that they have you focus on like alcohol, you know? And, and so to me, yeah, it makes sense that that wouldn't work, you know? And, and so it, it goes back to, you know, taking your focus off of what is, you know, um, what you don't no longer, you know, want in your life and placing it upon something that you do want that but that desire just has to be stronger you know and and you know if you I feel like if you have a strong desire um, to quit the addiction that that can that strong desire can be at such a high vibrational frequency that it can help shift things you know and put things into motion so again it goes back to you know your thoughts and your your mindset Awesome. Thanks. And I want to actually make one quick correction. I, the first thing you need is something that's more important to you than drinking, something that's more important to you than drinking, not necessarily yourself. You, you can be really important to yourself, but something that's more important to you than drinking and then something to reprogram and beginning to reprogram your subconscious mind and then heavily utilizing the law of attraction. Just to clarify that. Um, thank you, Megan. Thanks for being on here listening in. She's, uh, 
been a trooper and I don't know where I'd be without her. So she is my absolute world and uh, helped me have that relationship with God and taught me all these incredible things about my mind. So thank you again, Megan. Thank you for anyone listening in for listening to me. And again, um, you know, we're all in this together. We're all connected. I have love for every single one of you out there. Um, if you're going through it and you're struggling, you have hope, you can heal, hang on, you can make it happen. Have a great rest of y'all's day or night. Happy healing. Happy healing.